Let us be attentive. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would compel you to be circumcised, and not only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who receive circumcision do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, master, but a new creation. John. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule, upon the Israel of God. Henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Peace be with you, the reader. Arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to John. Let us be attentive. The Lord said, no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Peace be to you, the herald of the gospel.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Perhaps some of you have taken notice that I have walked out of the altar for the sermon today with something different in my hands. I'm holding here two books. that have on the front of it the icon of the resurrection. I doubt there are many of you who will uh, know what this is. Perhaps there might be some of you who will remember it. A very thoughtful person in our congregation decided to put together these books. Andrea Tigas moved, much like the rest of the country and the rest of the world, moved by the events that took place on September 11th, 2001. Exactly as the community was getting ready to host the parish festival just a few days after that tragic attack. <clears throat> the community here was struggling what to do. Father Harry Pappas was the head priest at the time. I don't remember who the parish council president was, but there was a great struggle in figuring out whether or not to still hold, to still go ahead with the Taste of Greece festival. The whole country was grieving. The whole world had stopped. The community decided to indeed go ahead with the festival, but to mark it in a different way, with a different type of prayer, both at the beginning and at the end of the day specifically commemorating those who had passed away in the attacks, as well as those who are suffering and grieving, having been left with numerous questions that they could not answer, that the world could not answer. Andrea put together these books and she put together over on the front page <clears throat> the letter that Father Harry authored and sent out to the community and, in fact, as a press release to the local media explaining how the St. Mary's community will approach the festival that year. Additionally, a particular prayer service, a memorial prayer, somewhat modified, was put together. And it was added in here, followed by pages and pages of messages expressing sorrow, expressing pain, expressing confusion, 
above all expressing prayers, even if in the hearts of many confusion reign in addition to anger. Page after page in two books right here of messages that were written by you, the congregation of St. Mary's, and not only, but also many of the visitors that came in for the Taste of Greece festival that year. <clears throat> I have spent time the last few days. Hmm. I'll back up a little. I did not know about this. I was not here that year. I had arrived about six months after here at St. Mary's with my family. I found out about this work that Andrea had put together with the penmanship of numerous wonderful hearts at the Clergy Laity Congress in New York this year. When Andrea showed them to me, because she had brought them to New York, to turn them over to be maintained forever in the 9-11 Memorial in New York City. She had made arrangements for that, and of course, I, being, being moved myself by what I had seen her, her work, or the work of all the people, but her initiation certainly, I took them from her. Sounds a little funny, but it, uh, it was actually very emotional for me. And I asked her to not give them to the 9-11 Memorial quite yet. Knowing that September 11th would be on a Sunday this year, and especially in the midst of our festival, I felt it really important for me to share these books with you. I bet if I were to ask you to put up your hands, if you even remember these books, perhaps numerous of you who had signed this would not remember, and that'd be normal. But that's precisely why I wanted you to know. And I wanted to actually perhaps in a selfish way, more than anything else, I wanted to read the words that were written, and I wanted to see the names that signed those messages on that day. We will turn them over, and the work that has taken place here at St. Mary's will go in the permanent, permanent, permanent memorial of the September 11th attacks. That's quite remarkable in and of itself. Thank you, Andrea. But I wanted them to be seen by you. And I'll share with you just a couple of the messages that I have read. 
Yes, indeed, many of them were the same message, expressing prayers and sorrow. Many of them seem rather unoriginal, but in fact, remembering the feelings that all of us had 21 years ago, even what seemed mundane and unoriginal was actually really powerful and moving. Words weren't even necessary. I remember that day. I had left home to go to my office. I was in the PhD program, and I was working at, at the university, and I, I drove in, no idea what was happening, and I walk into my office right past the office of another colleague, and I, her door was slightly open, and I, I remember that I, I thought I heard her perhaps crying. So I obviously stopped, knocked on the door, and I pushed the door open and asked her what, if anything was wrong. Again, all normal stuff without realizing anything. And she simply turns to me and she says, didn't you see what happened? And then, of course, I saw everything shut down. I went home. At the time, my wife was at home with Andrea, who couldn't even walk yet at the time. And all of you perhaps remember the moment when you realized what happened, and you will not forget it. So I wanted to share with you a couple of these messages. Some of the names I can't even quite decipher, and of course, it's not important. Here's one little message. We do not know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. You are in our prayers. And it was signed by Ken and Lynn, and I could not figure out the last name. Now listen to that clarity, brothers and sisters. Just a few days after that attack happened, most of us were still experiencing that spinning brain issue. Most of us were still not knowing what, were still completely in the unknown. The world was confused. But I thought this message, reading this message, was actually quite enriching to me. These two people remain clear as to the reality that no matter what happens in the world, no matter what tragedy befalls us, no matter what triumph we encounter or we build up, all of it is held, all of it is held up by the Pantokratoros, the all-keeper. This, that's what this icon actually shows us, that Christ is the keeper of all things, that he holds the future exactly as he has held the past. 
And precisely as he holds us in the present moment, whatever present day that is, and he holds us up in moments of our triumphs and in moments of our tragedies. Here's another message. With heartfelt prayer and love, I hope for a peaceful solution to this, the USA's most tragic loss. Here's somebody who clearly understood this to be the most, the most difficult experience that the nation had, yet this lady, Marie Trousseau of Stillwater, Minnesota, was already praying for a peaceful solution. We all know that the solution that the world pursued was not exactly peaceful. And now, I'm really not paying attention to any political implications, to any political posturing, certainly not. Frankly, I don't even care. One of the messages I read was from one of these two books written by a young woman of this parish who at the time was just a child in a scribbled kind of writing. Gina Busalis just writes, thinking of you and praying for you. You know what, brothers and sisters, we here in the United States, in North America, Western Europe, but especially here in the United States, we frankly don't quite understand fear of uncertainty all that well. In all reality, anybody that was born after the Vietnam War really doesn't quite get it. And I don't mean that in any negative way. I just want to point out the reality of our experience, the reality of the experience of peace, and frankly, even great certainty, even in the face of tragedy even in the face of strife. The last 50 years in the U.S. have been quite good, quite at ease. For many of us, that experience of 9-11 in 2001 was the most fearful time of our lives. And in times of tragedy, in times of threat and danger, particularly from sources that are beyond our control, the most instinctual reaction that we have as humans is unfortunately fear. Fear which gets combined with anger. 
And believe it or not, it's not just about moments of grave tragedy, such as an attack on a nation. It is actually even in daily life. Think of your argument with your spouse. If you are in a situation standing across from your husband or wife, and you feel that there is something unknown that is going to come from him or her, particularly something that might threaten the status quo of your marriage, you become afraid and you become angry. That's what happens to me. Maybe you're different. But frankly, we humans aren't all that different. If we remember the message of Ken and Lynn, who are clear-headed in understanding who holds us up, if we remember that message of Marie Trousseau, who was clear-headed in seeking in her prayer a peaceful solution in the midst of what she also perhaps experienced as fear and anger. And if we remember to what the young child Gina said, to think and to pray, perhaps we can dissipate the fear combined with anger that becomes the source of hatred. It's difficult to embrace love and to speak in love when we feel attacked. I certainly understand that. I am not trying to be or act naive. I certainly do understand it, but we are called to embrace love. We are called to actually dig it out from the inner depths of our hearts and to bring it to the forefront so that we communicate that love, so that we become that type of love that washes away the temptation toward hatred. And we must do so just so we can keep ourselves in check. Yes, brothers and sisters, we need to keep ourselves in check precisely from those instincts which lead us to interactions that we do not want to experience from others. We have to find ways to keep ourselves accountable for those tempting thoughts that can settle in the mind and the heart and then all of a sudden, we find ourselves people whom we do not wish to be. You see, there's a great book, big book, maybe even bigger than the Bible, by the name of War and Peace. by Lev Tolstoy, a Russian thinker. Many of you have probably read him, read some of his works or heard of him. 
who in one of the conversations in that book, a character by the name of Pierre Bezukhov uh, says the following, man cannot possess anything as long as he fears death. But to him who does not fear it, everything belongs. Let me read that to you again. Man cannot possess anything as long as he fears death. But to him who does not fear it, everything belongs. Now the way this reads teaches us the following. First of all, death is an experience that is common to each and every one of us. In all truth, only two things are things that you and I and the whole world share, birth and death, for sure. Birth and death, each person will share. Death is something we cannot escape. Death is something that, as much as we try to prepare, are not fully ready for. Death is something that was not intended for us at the time of God's creation, but it is part of our experience and it will remain so. Thus being thoughtful people, being people of God who seek to increase the likeness that he placed, the image and likeness that he placed in us, who seek to become more and more like him, are taught and called upon to look at death, to look upon death not with fear of it, but with that fear from the book of Proverbs, which is the beginning of wisdom, that fear that we might actually miss out our eternity with God. That's the only fear that we ought to allow in our hearts, because that fear is not one that leads us to hatred or to the temptations of attack, but rather the fear which is the beginning of wisdom leads us, brothers and sisters, to repentance. It leads us to actually awaken and develop more and more clarity, seeing who holds the future, seeing that a peaceful solution can be found even if we're called to martyrdom even if we are called to death in the body. Becoming unafraid of death actually gives us a freedom to pursue much more than we can with fear of it. You see, if we become too afraid of death, we actually forget how to fully live even. And the world experiences such fears and such temptations from time to time. The recent pandemic taught us the same. While the issues 
were fearful and indeed scary at the beginning. Many of our actions were actions of fear, not of reasoning. Looking back, we can see those, perhaps we didn't see them so clearly then, but that's precisely why we remind ourselves to not give in to the temptations that lead us in a state of anxiety, constant worry, fear of the neighbor, fear of anything that is temporary. Because you see, brothers and sisters, as Christians, we know one other thing for certain. The physical death is a temporary thing too. Yes, brothers and sisters, the death we will experience on earth is temporary. And we know it is temporary because the Lord Jesus Christ heralded for us not only a death on the cross, but a resurrection, leaving behind an empty tomb. Embrace life with reasoning. Embrace life with rationale. Embrace life with knowledge. But do not forget to also embrace life with faith. For when we embrace life with faith and reasoning and strength and ownership of that which God has given us, we in fact embrace Him, the Lord who gave us all of these, as our Creator. Amen.